Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening week to week. We got a really good episode today, and I think it's actually timely to have this discussion, particularly about, you know, what we've been seeing in healthcare and who might actually be able to lend some of their perspective and not only just their perspective, but their skills in terms of helping battling some of the crisis that we're seeing in terms of nursing shortage, in terms of seeing physician shortage. And before I get into it, I will hand it over to Sarah to introduce our guest for today. We have a really special guest, and we actually have never had a nurse practitioner on the podcast before, so I'm really glad to introduce Stella Cruz, who has been an RN since 2002 working in neurocritical care, the emergency department, and geriatric psych medicine. She completed her master's at the University of Toronto in 2008 with a focus on nursing and women and horizontal violence. She decided to become a nurse practitioner in 2014, graduating from U of T with the acute care NP specializing in seniors health. Currently, Stella works on a 32-bed alternate level of care ALC unit at a downtown hospital. Stella has taught undergrad nursing and NP students. She was born, raised, lives, and works in Toronto. She is a mom and wife with two kids aged 8 and 14 plus a big dog. She would love to complete a PhD someday and is very passionate about nursing and nurses' work and is a very strong advocate for nurses. She has worked with Nancy Halupa, for those of you that know Nurse with Sign 416, who's been very vocal as well about nursing issues. And uh, they are good friends and both strong and passionate for speaking the truth. Stella's life motto is, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. So that is a great intro. I would love to hand it over to you, Stella, just to tell us a bit about yourself and what kind of things you are interested in. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me. As uh, the intro mentioned, I have been uh, a nurse for 20, almost 22 years now, and it's incredible how much nursing has changed, even within that short period of time. It really feels like I just started nursing you know, a few months ago, um, and time has just flown by. The reason I became a nurse practitioner is because I was working and doing really thorough assessments, but not able to fully put my plan 
plans, uh, into action. I'd have to stop, wait for a physician, review with the physician. And, and really, it was, it was delaying patient care, especially seniors care in the emergency department. And so it was actually my boss who said to me, well, if you're missing that step, why don't you become a nurse practitioner? And so that's what was the catalyst. It was really just to be able to impart my knowledge into the assessment and to be able to carry it forward. And I thought that that was interesting because I really never thought of myself as a, as, as a nurse practitioner. I had really just kind of seen myself as a regular, regular nurse's nurse. And so um, I did the program the accelerated program. And even within the short period of time that I've been a nurse practitioner, things have changed so rapidly. I'm kind of right now at a, at a, a crossroads because nursing is changing so much. And uh, for example, my, my daughter just entered high school this year and we've been talking about careers and so forth. And I had mentioned, you know, nursing would be a, a great career. And she said, what? Are you nuts? I hear you constantly complain about it every day you're complaining about the work and the patients and the physicians and why on earth would I do that? Right. So it's interesting that I would say that, but yet there's a part of me that can't ever not be a nurse. And so I'm kind of at a crossroads right now as to what do I do with my own career? A lot of nurses feel that and a lot, a lot of nurses are with you in feeling we don't know what the next step will be, what the next direction will be. And that, and that's a very challenging position for us, especially, you know, someone who's been in nursing for 20 years and the general public just doesn't really understand because losing a, a nurse who's been in the field for 20 years, that's a lot of expertise that goes out of the window and that can't be easily replaced. You can't just replace that with someone who's just graduated. It's not the same and people don't understand that. And I think the other thing that people might not understand is actually the role of a nurse practitioner. You're the first nurse practitioner that we've had on our show, so we're really, really excited to have you here. For some of our guests that might be listening, they might not know anything about, you know, what the educational pathway is to becoming a nurse practitioner. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what education pathway that would be and a little bit about your scope of practice in terms of sure. what differentiates you between, you know, um, a nurse who's graduated from four years and then a nurse who has their, you know, an extended license to becoming a nurse practitioner. Yes, and that's an interesting question. Um, so after my my degree, I got some experience, and I realized um, I wanted to get a master's degree. And so I um, kind of looked into several of the programs. I really gravitated towards one particular school just because I like the philosophy of it. So I, I did a just an an MN, a master's in nursing. At that time, I could have done a nurse practitioner. There are actually a few streams within the master's program. You could become more administrative. You could focus on clinical. You could become a nurse practitioner. I focus just strictly on the MN program, which really introduces you a little bit to theory, uh, a little bit of all the different concepts. So it's a great introductory program and gets you start thinking about the bigger picture. So I worked in the emergency department, continued to grow my skills, learned a lot and was doing pretty good assessments, but not able to kind of move everything forward. Still working very collaboratively with physicians. And so the, the reason I decided to become a nurse practitioner was because I wanted to be able to assess a patient, use all my skills, formulate a plan 
and order tests because that was really what was missing. And that is essentially the differentiation between a regular nurse, even with a BSN or master's and a nurse practitioner. It was very focused on assessment and anatomy, physiology, medication, a lot of pharmacology. And so when I decided to do the uh, nurse practitioner program, that was really what the program was. It was about 18 months of straight anatomy, physiology. It was the most intensive program I had ever done. I actually thought to myself, oh my God, I've been practicing as a nurse for so many years. How did I not know that? And I was shocked to what I didn't know. It definitely was eye-opening. It was tremendously scary that that program kind of whizzed through at 18, at 18 months. And then um, we, at that time, I don't know if it's changed, we wrote the American Nurse Practitioner Entrance Exam. So essentially we can um, work in the U.S. depending on what state and so forth. And it was, pro- again, probably the most intensive period of my life. I took about six weeks with two colleagues and we studied night and day, night and day. And then we graduated. There are several streams. There's nurse practitioner in primary care and the nurse practitioner in acute care. And most of the nurse practitioners in Ontario, so about 80% of them are primary care. And two of my best girlfriends work in primary care. So they actually work in family health teams. You will be working in a family health team. You'll get assigned to either a physician or nurse practitioner, and she will provide you with comprehensive care. She will do your breast exams, your mammograms, uh, your physicals, order and prescribe, do absolutely everything a primary care physician can do. Some of them work in pediatrics, so under the age of 18, and then over the age of 18, adult. So that's the primary care. 20% of us work in acute care. And really the focus is acute care, meaning being very quick to diagnose ECGs. I did a lot of training in the emergency department. So being able to suture, set fractures, order tests, interpret ECGs, very quick uh, type of assessments. That's what um, we, we do. And a lot of nurse practitioners then specialize. So for example, at... University Health Network at Toronto General, they have an extensive cardiovascular program. So a lot of the nurse practitioners become very, very clinically skilled in that particular area. St. Mike's with the the entire neuro team, Toronto Western. So become very specialized in what they do and they become very talented at a very particular assessment and, and, and honing in on that skill. And they essentially work very collaboratively with their team. And my experience has been in psychogeriatric medicine. I've worked in collaboration with a group of physicians, psychiatrists, and so forth. And right now I'm working on an ALC unit. Uh, So these are seniors whose acute care stay have resolved somewhat, and they're waiting to transition. However, it's still medicine. So a lot of chronic disease management, a lot of acute things happen too. And so it's, it's the day-to-day management of an inpatient of 32, uni- uh, 32 patients. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, it's really inspiring to hear that there is this extended scope of practice for nurse practitioners. And I hope everyone listening is getting something out of this because I think there's a lot of misconceptions amongst nurses about what a nurse practitioner is and what they can do yeah. because there's just not a lot of exposure. I think depending on where you work, you may never have come across a nurse practitioner before. And even in my personal experience, um, 
I don't have a family doctor per se. I'm part of a family health team. And I've never actually seen the doctor that works on my particular family health team. I only ever see the registered nurse, possibly the nurse practitioner. So I think there's so much potential for nurse practitioners. And it's great if we can just even spread awareness about what it is you can do. Just given the state of healthcare right now and what we've seen over the past few years, what role do you see for nurse practitioners in trying to um, address the situation we're in right now in healthcare? That's an excellent, excellent question. And I'm a very strong proponent um, and I've been advocating for nurse practitioner as most responsible provider, as MRP. It's something that is kind of percolating a little bit across Ontario. There have been some, there was some interest initially. And essentially it means that if a nurse practitioner is working on a particular unit or with a particular patient, that why can't that nurse practitioner be the most responsible provider for that patient? So if a physician really doesn't have much engagement with the patient, why does the patient need to be admitted under a physician? Because nurse practitioners can admit and discharge. So why have that name on a chart? Why not have the nurse practitioner provide entire care and have it also documented as such? Because I think we can do, and a lot of us work very collaboratively, of course. If I need to consult a a specialist, I will. I'll call up and review the case and ask by all means, if I'm not sure, absolutely, I would collaborate with anyone because it's my duty legally, uh, but also professionally. And I feel very strongly that if a nurse practitioner is able to provide the care for that patient, that there should be a movement towards allowing a nurse practitioner to be the most responsible provider. And I think it's about time because there are a lot of us working uh, so well and doing a lot of great work, not being recognized. Yeah, I was wondering if we could maybe dig into that a little bit, right? I think you you, you kind of touched on a really important point where, you know, um, some of the same powers that physicians have, nurse practitioners have in terms of admitting, discharging, etc. But for whatever reason, historically, it is under only a physician's name. Do you have any history as to why that might be? Oh, that's a loaded question. I'm, I'm not yeah, sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a loaded question. It's, um, you know, it's puzzled me. It's puzzled me because I've actually tried to kind of navigate through some of the hospital bylaws and so forth. And there really isn't. I think there's a there are certain patient populations like ALC that would be great. Nurse practitioner in long-term care would be tremendous, right? Why not have? I agree. Uh, you know, uh, these are patients who need to be seen and nurse practitioner could be there every day. They don't need to be seen every day, but you have someone who is able to provide that continuity of care, whereas a physician might uh, be on, on call for that one week and then another person and so forth. So it's the continuity of care. And I also believe that being a nurse practitioner is essential also in how the unit works. Right. So the, the, the dynamic with a physician and nurses is very different than nurse practitioner and nurses. And it's, uh, it takes time, uh, I have to say that, especially for a unit who's never worked with nurse practitioners, but it does take time. But when that team comes together, there is so much respect and collaboration that happens between the nurses that the level of care, I believe, increases. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, yes, it is a loaded question. I think it's a it's a question worth asking because, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of things that we, we do in healthcare and we, we do it and we might not know the reason why or, you know, historically there has been decisions made by the powers that may be. But I think it's time to start questioning those things. If those things and those processes aren't working anymore, then why not look at different measures to change them? I actually remember, and I don't know if Sarah remembers seeing this, but there was actually like a group on Twitter um, a, a while back that was like doctors against nurse practitioners. And um, there was this, the the conversation yes. was pretty much like it's scope creep. They're trying to take over our roles. They don't know what they're doing. And it just led to me to thinking that like that doesn't seem like a very conscious type of conversation especially for looking at how do we ensure that we are delivering health care for all folks and individuals in you know canada or and abroad well i agree and it was just very concerning to see that type of language yes. that was happening yeah i actually was um saw some of the tweets and i actually read an article in mclean's magazine uh, written by a physician about three months ago saying that PAs, physician assistants, were the solution to the healthcare crisis. Right. I read that article and I was just so mad. I actually did respond to the writer and I said, you know, I disagree um, as a nurse practitioner. I think nurse practitioners are better suited. Number one, we don't have to stop and uh, review and have the same limitations that a physician assistant can. And I also was very firm with her. And I said, and I don't believe that a physician should be paid a stipend to have a physician assistant work with them, that it's misspending of tax dollars that nurse practitioners are very capable of doing it. And there don't have to be incentives attached to working with us. I agree. Absolutely. (laughs) I think there's just this fear of, Maybe that their role is going to be taken over, but it's not a nurse practitioners versus doctors situation. Mm-hmm. There's more than enough room for everyone. We're not competing for patients. There, I would love to meet a doctor, a family doctor who says they don't have enough patients. It doesn't make sense to me. And I think what you mentioned before about being able to have patients admitted under you makes perfect sense. I think it's a great idea to have family health teams, but why have we not explored more nurse practitioner-led clinics for primary care? Because they do exist, but there certainly could be more of them to address the gap of um, people not having access to primary care. What are your thoughts on that? I know that's a bit of a loaded question, too. And really, it comes down to funding. For example, I would love to work in the emergency department again. To the average person, it looks like complete chaos. It, It doesn't look like chaos to me. It gets me going. It motivates me. It's it's true passion. And I believe that nurse practitioners are perfectly equipped and capable to work in the emergency department. For example, in the ambulatory area, abdo pains, people come in with cuts, bruises, they need they have a laceration, UTI, all these other things. These are really quick assessments. Nurse practitioners are more than capable to be looking after. Patients can be seen and meet their their CTAS priority levels and out the door. But there's an issue. It's quick funding for a physician. And most physicians, especially working in the emergency department, fee-for-service. Why would they give up that opportunity to make an income and a very quick way to make an income, especially if you're in ambulatory? But I believe 
that if you had nurse practitioner working the ambulatory, even seeing CTAS fours and fives, these are not urgent patients. Free up the physicians to see the CTAS ones, twos, and threes, because that's where they're needed the most in recess and in acute and subacute, and allow us to do some of the education that comes with some of the issues that come with the CTAS four or five. And I think that that's where getting most bang for the buck is. But unfortunately, we nurse practitioners would be an investment on the hospital side because Mm -hmm. we are our hospital employees that would come out of hospital budget. A physician who is fee-for-service doesn't get paid by a hospital. I can see why hospitals are reluctant to take nurse practitioners because it's an added cost. But when you look at the global costs, it would cost Ontario a lot less. We just need to start looking to other systems because our system isn't working. They're, the scope of practice for nurse practitioners out in the U.S. is huge. And, you know, um, they're doing a lot of great work out there. And I think we just need to remove these ideas and this fear that, you know, one is going to replace the other. It's not about replacement. It's about working in collaboration. And it's about serving the people who we say that we want to serve the the most in healthcare, which are patients and families. Change is definitely needed. I hope that change will, we will see change. But again, there are those hierarchical power structures. Um, And again, when you put money at play, it's a whole other thing. I know that people might be listening. We're going to have some angry physicians out there. Come at us. It's fine. Whatever. It doesn't matter to us. We we're happy to call out the nonsense that and the games and the political warfare that happens yeah. when you involve money. And it's not about that. You know, uh, when we look at when you look at the, the statistics, the College of Nurses even recognized it's been years. But in July, on July 1st, we we had the ability to order CTs and MRIs and advanced diagnostic imaging. That was because there's a need. Why should I have we have to wait to have these assessments done where there's a nurse practitioner working in oncology who's seeing a patient who sees something in front of her and gets that test gets that patient the care that they need. It's essential. And so when we start to see tremendous increases in scope of practice, it's because there's a need. And another thing that I think is very interesting that I'm very interested in knowing is I'm always reviewing stats. So College of Nurses, how many RPNs have graduated, RN and so forth. And the biggest group of graduates in the last five or six years, consistently above RN and RPN has been nurse practitioner group. Really? That's surprising. Yeah. Yes. Year after year for the last four to five years, the nurse practitioner, highest increase. So there is a significant push and there are a lot of nurses graduating and they're looking for work because they can do it. We just have to be able to find playing a collaborative place to practice. It's not about taking over. It's about working, but giving the nurse practitioner the recognition for the hard work that she's doing. Absolutely. That's really great information. I think that there is so much more we could definitely cover. And Stella, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Anything that we needed to cover or anything that we should go back to that you want to discuss? I think we had uh, initially talked about sharing some of my experience, um, even becoming as a new nurse practitioner. You know how in nursing you start off uh, with Benner's theory of novice to expert and you're slowly gaining your skills. When I became a nurse practitioner, I was shocked at what I didn't know. 
Right. And I was petrified. As a new NP, even for the first two, three years, I was petrified. I remember the first few months, every time I wrote an order, I'd go back into the chart a few times and double check that order, make sure, did I do it? Did I do it? I'd sometimes I'd call pharmacy, double, triple checking my work. Is this okay? Is this the right dose? I was doubting myself. And it's almost like I had um, developed a little bit of an imposter syndrome. I doubted myself. Number one, I doubted that I could stand amongst some of these really, really skilled, brilliant nurse practitioners who I've seen work, want to be part of them. I didn't feel prepared at all. And I was very nervous at what I didn't know because you're expected to function at a very high level. And I also felt that no one was going to cut me any slack. Nurse practitioners, my senior colleagues, were not going to cut me any slack. The physicians, I could feel in some of them that there was a little bit of a little bit of an attitude, kind of like, okay, you want to you want to pretend to be, you know, physician. So they didn't exactly help sometimes. It kind of pushed back a little bit. And then I also got pushback from some nurses, believe it or not. So it was tremendously difficult the first few years. And sometimes, well, many times, I doubted myself. I doubted myself. Now I kind of, you know, if I get a little pushback, I kind of just shrug my shoulder, let it fall off my back a little bit. But it's it's really been very difficult. It's actually more difficult, I believe, in my experience to transition from RN to nurse practitioner than it was from student to RN. And the reason I feel this way is because we're a small group. When you become a nurse practitioner, you're maybe the one one of or two of in a department. You don't have really a lot of support. You know, there's some organizations like Six Children's Hospital that have hundreds of nurse practitioners. But what if you're working in a small community hospital, you know, a smaller hospital or even a department and you're one of? Who do you ask for help? You know, sometimes it might be a silly question or you're not sure, but do you really want to ask that physician a question that they might look at you kind of weird? So it is a very huge learning curve. And so sometimes you're expected to, you know, demonstrate that you can do the work, but it's incredibly terrifying. I remember sometimes having to take a lot longer to do my work and my assessments because literally I'd be going through the books, looking through my phone, up to date, anything that I could get my hands on to make sure that I knew what I was doing. And, and, and I think that nobody really talks about that that it's really hard, especially when you're trying to prove that you can work as a nurse practitioner, that you can work with all these senior NPs who've been doing it for so long. You develop a feeling that maybe you're not meant to be. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Oh my God, what am I doing here? I'm in over my head. What was I thinking? It's just a tremendous learning curve. Another thing that I experienced was nurses. And I felt that some nurses were very proud that a nurse practitioner was working with them, that a nurse had worked really hard and now she was a nurse practitioner and she was going to support the patient and the nurses. And they get it. But there's also a small group of of nurses that I worked with who were not having any of that. And specifically, more senior nurses who have been very good bedside nurses for the last 20, 30 years. And then to have this person walk in and on her lab coat and be like, well, who, who are you? 
wait a minute, I know this patient. I've been looking after this patient, these patients for 30 years. And you're walking in here and you think you can just start writing orders. And it's a very humbling experience. And you have to appreciate that they've been doing the work. And it's not that I didn't want to do the work. It's just that I had a different focus. But a lot of times I felt that I had to prove myself to the bedside nurse. Sometimes I'd have to take off that lab coat and really get in there and turn and reposition patients and and do the, the skills and demonstrate that, no, I am a nurse. I'm not better than you. I'm here to work with you. And that was very hard to do too. Trying to get buy-in from a team of nurses who don't feel that they need you there, are used to working under physician model, and quite frankly, don't really understand what a nurse practitioner does. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective. I think that, and it doesn't matter what discipline you come into, whenever you're starting a new role, there is a learning curve and it's a steep one. And I think that, you know, I would rather work with someone like you who's like, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm, I'd am i be happy to acknowledge that than working with someone who walks in, finished their education and thinks they know everything. That person is very, very dangerous. So I, I applaud you for being like, you know what, this, this is scary. And there's, and I'm going to take those extra steps to kind of figure this out. I think most people would appreciate that. And I think that it, it's, it shouldn't be that you're brave to say that. Like, I, it's, it's so sad to have to say that. But I think that, you know, it's so important that you, you said what you said. And, and I think that a lot of people have felt that. I actually did an episode previously where um, it was actually with physicians and residents, and they were talking about their experience with other women in the profession. And it wasn't even so much that it was, you know, they were a physician, but it was just like this women hierarchy power, power kind of structure that created a lot of tension in healthcare. And it could be something similar as to what you were facing, whereas now, um, yes, you're you're still a nurse, but you are in a very different role than a nurse who is at the bedside. That power dynamic for for some is confusing, but it's it's unfair that you felt you were treated that way for one, because you shouldn't you shouldn't have to be like, okay, you know, I have to prove myself. It should be like, you know what, this is you should be people should be proud that you're in that role and there should be more respect. But again, this speaks to a culture within nursing, within working in female dominated careers where we almost have that crab in a bucket mentality where it's like, if you can't, if I can't have it, you can't have it either where we should really be saying, Oh, you know what? There's someone down there. Let's pull them up. Or I'm up here. I'm going to elevate you. We're all working towards the same goal. So I think that's what we need to be mindful of. And again, I think it's so important that you shared your experience and shared some of the challenges. And I hope that we can continually actively dismantle some of the things that we see, particularly when it comes to working with other women in healthcare. Right. And Stella, you touched on a couple things that really uh, resonated with me as well. The bullying, the horizontal violence. And we talk a lot about how nurses eat their young. It's almost like you went through that all over again, being a new nurse practitioner, having to go through that 
all over again as though you were a new nurse, even though you've been a nurse for a number of years. And that's just very unfortunate that that happened to you. And I'm sure your experience is not unique. I'm sure many other nurse practitioners have gone through what you went through as well. I wish that things were different because, like you said, we're working towards the same goal. We shouldn't be making things harder for each other. And there's this real um, mentality in nursing, I think, that it's very much based on seniority. So if a nurse, for example, has been a nurse longer than you, they somehow think that means they should have more authority. But it's like you did extra training. You have an expanded scope of practice. So that's why you were able to order tests and, you know, have more responsibilities. No, it is it is very a very humbling experience. There are many, many days of tears and just being angry with myself uh, for not knowing and not being able to articulate or demonstrate what I was trying to to do. I remember having some challenges with a manager. I think it was all related to her not having uh, ever worked with a nurse practitioner and trying to make a nurse practitioner kind of fit the mold of an RN. Uh, For example, one of the things that I still struggle is being able to get my work done within an eight-hour day. I got to be honest with you, I don't know of a single nurse practitioner who can get her work done within an eight-hour day. I know... I remember being an RN and seeing nurse practitioners being there very late into the evening, first thing in the morning. So I know that they're putting in very long hours, but I understand why. But being able to articulate that to someone like a manager who doesn't fully understand what a nurse practitioner does and how we work is very challenging. For example, if I have uh, X number of patients, I'm expected to you know, finish up by, let's say, four o'clock. But things happen. The unit could get really busy, really uh, acute all of a sudden. There can be patient kind of going sour, family members knocking at the door at the last minute wanting an update. It's not like sometimes I can say, you know what, sorry, four o'clock. Sorry, your, yeah, your mom's having some nausea and vomiting. She's not well. I'm off the clock now. Got to go. It, it's not correct, but we stay. We do the work, but we're not always compensated for it. Or I remember many years ago, early on, uh, my chief of staff, who was a physician, saying, well, I don't understand, but with your time management, physicians are able, residents are able to get their work done in seven hours, eight hours. What's taking you so long? What's your problem? And not having a good enough answer. I can't say, well, because I'm new and I'm still learning. That excuse doesn't hold well. And that's really preposterous too. Like I've spoken to many residents and and people who are attending physicians and they're telling me that they're still working till two, three o'clock in the morning well after they've left their shift. So that's bogus. Yeah. And, and just clarify something for me. Is there anyone for you to hand off to or is it just you leave and then you come back again the next day? There is a physician uh, that I work with and it's not as easy as that and and. There are times where, yes, I'm done. I'm feeling confident. X and Y can wait till tomorrow and so forth. But if I've seen half a dozen patients, I'm still legally responsible to document. Right. And that documentation usually happens towards the end of the evening and so forth. And I can't just leave and hand over that documentation. I have to document. I have to write a thorough note and so forth. And it's taking me years to be able to kind of hone in and be able to push back and say, no, 
sorry, I can't meet with you right now. I've got to focus on this or push back to the nurses and say, sorry, guys, it's four o'clock. I've got things you need to call the physician on call and so forth. Because a part of me wants to be able to do everything and meet everyone's expectations. I want to be able to help the nurse who has just one more question. I want to be able to help the the, the family member who kind of snuck in at five o'clock and just needs a little update. You're trying to please everyone and, and realizing that you can't. You can't be everything to everyone. But I know as nurse practitioners, as nurses in general, we want to do that. And we put everyone's needs above our own. And and especially in the first few years when I was trying to learn and establish myself and doubting myself. Did I write the right assessment? Did I miss something? Oh my, I'm not sure. Well, let me double check that. And and when you're when you've got such a significant responsibility, you don't want to make a mistake. And that's important. And if you're one of on a unit and there is no one to contact, it is a very significant learning curve, even in, even work-wise, uh, time management. It's basically like starting nursing all over again. And uh, I found it very challenging. And I had been a nurse for many years, and I was a very good, a strong clinical nurse. And uh, so I think by sharing my experience, even if somebody had a wonderful experience and had no problem and transitioned to the role beautifully, I'm sure there may be a few nurses or nurse practitioners who may have had challenge. And I've had a few students uh, mentor with me and and complete their pre-grad. And so every once in a while, they'll email me and say, hey, how did you manage, you know, setting limits? Because the nurses are constantly calling me. They love me, but they're constantly calling me. How do I tell them I have to go? How do I set barriers and boundaries with the physician who's now saying, you're so great. Here, take more work. I don't need to do that. You can do it. And and, and it's a real struggle because we want to be able to do and demonstrate that we can, but there has to be a very fine line. So I'm asking for X, Y, and Z. I'm asking for MRP. I'm asking to be able to work in all these areas. But yet I'm saying, oh, wait a minute. Learning curve is huge. Don't have the resources. Not sure I can do it. So it's a very interesting dynamic. That's great. I loved hearing these stories from your past and what you've learned from it. It sounds like advocacy is a huge part of being a nurse practitioner because you have a limited number of colleagues that you can rely on. And I think being a bedside nurse, there's that safety in numbers, right? There's always someone you can turn to where it's very different when you're a nurse practitioner. And I just wanted to thank you so much, Stella, for coming onto the Gritty Nurse Podcast. Amy and I really enjoyed this conversation. It's been very eye-opening. So thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much, Stella. Thank you so much.